Hello and welcome to The Better Business Show with me, Tom Idle. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up this week. So the company that is getting me most excited at the moment, and people might be a bit surprised about this because it's an oil company, uh, but it's uh, Total, the, the French oil company. Yes, we're in the company of some of the finest journalists writing about sustainable business today. Business and environmental journalist Mike Scott is one of them. So what's getting these fine editors most excited right now? Stay tuned. Yeah, hello. Hello, welcome back. This is episode 23 of The Better Business Show. Uh, thanks for coming back to us. Very much appreciated your, your tuning in. Uh, if you're a new listener, welcome. Uh, great to have you on board. If you're a long-time listener, uh, well, thank you as well. It's great that you, you've stuck with us and, uh, and thanks for helping us spread the love each week and, and sharing the news of The Better Business Show as each episode is released on Mondays. Um, it's been great and uh, I really appreciate you, you being there. Before we kick off, I just want to quickly say we're on the hunt for amazing partner organisations to come on board and join us. Uh, something that will help us maintain what we hope is a useful uh, and, and valuable show. Uh, but also we want to work with you to form part of your, your narrative and your storytelling uh, using the Better Business Show. So if you're interested in, in finding a new, exciting, fresh, engaging way to connect your stories to our wonderful audience here on the, the Better Business Show, then send me a note, uh, get in touch, and I can send you all the details, and, and we'd love to have you on board. Um, great. So, yeah, we're shaking the format up again this week. So rather than giving you one amazing story, as we do every week, we're going to be finding out about a number of exciting businesses, a number of different trends and insights, uh, and looking at some of the sorts of businesses that are getting today's environmental and business journalists um, most hot under the collar. Uh, so we've got all of that coming up. Uh, we're also going to talk to uh, Vicky Knowles, uh, as ever, uh, find out what's been going on in the world of better business and who's doing what and why. Um, it's a very, very exciting but also quite scary week for us here in the UK. We've got the, the EU referendum coming up on Thursday this week. Uh, we've got no way of knowing which way it's going to go. It's all very, 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 very close in the polls. Um, so we're going to be talking a bit about that uh, later on the show and, and the impact of whether we remain or leave and what impact that will have on, on kind of um, companies, I guess, making that transition and, and whether it's going to be good or bad, uh, depending on which way we vote. So we're talking about that a, a bit later on. Now, you might remember way back in episode 15, um, which was one of our most popular episodes, actually, uh, we spoke to Matthew Turner. Uh, he's a guy that had been researching and writing a book um, called The, M the Successful Mistake. Um, and we had him on the show to explain basically what he'd find out by talking to, I think he spoke to about 163, it was 163, 163 entrepreneurs um, to find out how they turned their failure into success. And it's something that we made a point of by saying, look, you know, if you're going to succeed in building great better, more responsible, sustainable businesses, then there's going to be some failure along the way. But how do you kind of turn that around to make sure that you grow a, a successful company? Um, and we had Matthew on and he gave us lots of insight into, into what he'd found out by doing all this research. It was a great show. Um, uh, yeah, if you haven't heard it, check it out. Episode episode 15 it was. Um, the reason I mention it, the, the book that Matthew was working on, it's, uh, it's called The Successful Mistake, How 163 of the World's Greatest Entrepreneurs transform failure into success uh, it's out it's out now um, I'll stick the link in today's show notes he did get in touch in the week just saying 
um, yeah look it's it's been published all my hard work's come off which is great uh, it must be very exciting for him but it's well worth checking out so if you enjoyed the show you'll probably enjoy the book so it might be worth having a look at and downloading a copy can you believe we're approaching the middle of the year uh, but as we do so i wanted to use today's episode to I, I guess take the temperature of what's happening in the world of responsible business sustainable business whatever you want to call it uh, right now um, to find out what the biggest stories are to find out what companies people are getting most excited about to find out who, you know, who's doing what and why and and to get some insight into the current trends and talking points out there um, I guess to get a snapshot of, of what's happening, which is not always easy to do. Uh, but I thought I could turn to some of my some of my mates, really, in, in the kind of journalism field and uh, speak to some of the people that are writing about this stuff. Uh, so I called them up. I called them up this week and, and, and asked them some, some questions uh, that will hopefully give you some insight into what they're hearing and thinking and seeing and, and, and wondering, I guess, um, when it comes to sustainable business right now. So in a moment, you're going to hear from some of the best in the business. Um, I'll let them introduce themselves um, in the recording. And I hope you find this interesting and, and helpful. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Maxine Perella. Um, I, I'm an environmental journalist and I, I write across the whole spectrum of sustainable business uh, with a particular specialism in the circular economy and that whole push towards keeping resources in use for longer. I, I write for a, a number of um, media channels and clients, including uh, The Guardian Sustainable Business website. I feed into special sustainability reports for The Times and a whole host of uh, online channels like Sustainable Brands Collectively, Ethical Corporation, The Environmentalist. Hi, my name is Jen Elks and I am managing editor at a company called Sustainable Brands located in San Francisco. So my name is Mike Scott uh, and I write about sustainability and business or sustainability and investment as single subjects. So uh, the, the business or investment aspects of sustainability and why, you know, why they're important to companies. I write for a whole range of uh, publications uh, from the Financial Times, Guardian in their sustainable business section, um, Forbes, Fortune magazine I've written for, uh, Bloomberg New Energy Finance, uh, Ethical Corporation and a whole load of others. What's the single most important thing that governments could do to help companies become more sustainable? That, that's a big question, but I'd like to see more examples of clever collaboration between business and government. So ensuring that, that policy makes good business sense. So, for example, if you take the, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, these aren't business goals. So, so how can businesses translate these goals into clear opportunities that benefit both them and wider society? And, and what can government do to help here? So, you know, it may be that it's, it's about helping companies to, to build much needed infrastructure in developing countries to improve water or energy access or removing certain regulatory barriers so they have a license to operate, or even changing public procurement practices uh, to incentivise greener products and services. But, but that's really what I'd like to see more of, uh, more joined up thinking between policy and business practice, and then delivering that through formal and informal partnerships. Um, and one good example I read recently was, was in the build-up to the 
2010 World Cup, we had construction companies working with the South African government to create courses in construction skills. And that's a, that's a great example, really, of, of what I'd like to see more of. I think increasing taxes or fees on waste um, or poorly designed products or those designed for obsolescence um, and or making it mandatory for companies to take back those products and either find ways to reuse their components or dispose of them responsibly. I think uh, companies would figure out real quick how to uh, improve their products. I think the single most important thing that governments could do to help companies become more sustainable is to take the politics out of the issue. It's very frustrating for companies to, who want to do the right thing, and, and most of them generally do, uh, to suddenly find that uh, a policy that's been implemented has suddenly been changed uh, and um, they have to change direction again. So I think what they need to do is come up with a set of policies, uh, commit to them and stick to them. Uh, so that companies can then plan for the future, uh, make the investments that they need to and um, go down that road to sustainability. What one company is getting you most excited right now? So the company that is getting me most excited at the moment, and people might be a bit surprised about this because it's an oil company, uh, but it's uh, Total, the French oil company. It has made a a big shift in uh, strategy over the last year or so. Um, it's uh, very much taken on board the messages from the Paris Climate Conference. It's cut its investments in uh, tar sands in, in Canada and um, you know, massively ramped up its investments in renewable energy. So last month, for example, it bought uh, SAF, the, the French uh, battery maker. No one company comes to mind. I think more of trends in the business world that I'm excited about. Um, some companies are adapting their business models into more circular models, moving from selling products to providing services. Um, like Ford, for example, is moving from selling cars to providing mobility services. Um, Philips has shifted away from uh, selling light bulbs to supplying and maintaining bigger lighting solutions and IKEA is doing things like buying back and reselling their used furniture. Um, another thing I'm excited about is more and more companies are starting to think beyond doing less bad to becoming net positive, where their business is actually restorative in terms of energy use, improving the environment, etc. Um, companies like Dell, uh, HP, Kingfisher, IKEA, Dow, uh, Interface and the Crown Estate are um, just a few of those that are working on that right now. In terms of the one company that, that's really on my radar, I would, I mean, I write a lot about the circular economy, so I'd have to say Apple. Um, and the reason why is if you're a manufacturer, under a circular economy, you'll be looking to, to own that product over the life cycle. So at the end of its use, you can take it back into your supply chain and remanufacture it into a brand new product or, or perhaps an upgraded product. And that way, as a business, you not only cut down on raw material costs, you have security of supply. But getting that product back is really difficult, especially if you sell consumer-facing products. So what Apple have done, I think they've come up with a, a genius idea. They're rolling out their own iPhone upgrade program for customers. And this is starting in the US and it will be extended to other countries. So instead of leasing your phone from a smartphone network provider, 
you'll start leasing it directly from Apple. And that, that suggests to me that they're laying the foundations for a global take-back scheme for their iPhones. And they're now working on fast and efficient disassembly with Liam, their new robot that can apparently take apart an iPhone in 11 seconds. So if that happens, that's going to enable them to recover all the component parts of an iPhone, all the valuable metals, in a way that's not labour-intensive. So potentially they can begin to remanufacture a product at scale. So, you know, in time, ultimately, we could see Apple close the loop on its iPhone and effectively create its own closed circular economy, where it still retains much of the intellectual property. And I think that approach, it just fits in so well with Apple's vertical integration model. And I think their customers will buy into that 100% because they love and trust the brand. What's the startup or entrepreneur that you're most impressed by right now? Again, there are so many. Um, I love anything involving upcycling waste or circular economy models. So pretty much all the ones I'm excited about are turning some kind of waste stream into a new product, and there are a bunch right now. But just to pick one uh, or two, I'd have to say uh, Thread, uh, which turns plastic bottle waste from Haiti and Honduras into Thread and then Fabric. Um, and they're now supplying fabric to Timberland, which is huge, and I'm sure they're going to be announcing new partnerships soon. Uh, the other company is New Light Technologies. Uh, they turn methane gas into a plastic called Air Carbon. They're making packaging for Dell and Sprint and The Body Shop, and I think they also just formed some kind of partnership with IKEA, so they're going to be huge too. The entrepreneur, I think, that's, that's really... Um... I guess, you know, I do a lot of interviews with startups and some of them impress me, some of them don't. But the one that's really stuck with me recently is, is a guy called Ludwig Marishane and he's the inventor of Dry Bath. Now, he's a young South African entrepreneur who basically came up with the idea when he was a teenager, still at high school. And Dry Bath is a, a bath substitute in lotion. It, it works like a natural antiseptic, antiperspirant gel. And it was originally meant for people who face hygiene challenges due to lack of sanitation or access to water. But actually it's proven really, really popular now with working mums who don't have much time to get their kids ready for school in the morning. So with dry bath you can just quickly apply the lotion, it dries off naturally in a couple of minutes and away you go. So for modern homes it's, a, it's quite an attractive convenience product. But for Two and a half billion people worldwide who don't have access to clean water, dry bath can be a real lifesaver. And I mean, when I interviewed Ludwig, I was really taken with him. He's, he's someone who really wants to make a difference in the world, and his drive is absolutely incredible. You know, he was a teenager, and within six months of coming up with the idea, he had devised the formula for the gel. He then went on to write a 40 page business plan on his mobile phone. He then applied for a patent. He then launched his startup, which I think is called Headboy Industries. And he's since been named by Google as one of the world's brightest minds. And, you know, I'm sure he'll go on to do bigger and better things. Um, he's someone I, I, I think will go really far. The startup company that is impressing me most at the moment is a small company called Highview Power Storage. Uh, and they have a technology, an energy storage technology that uses liquid nitrogen, they, uh, they freeze it using uh, off-peak energy, store it in tanks that are you know, commercially available, you don't need to do anything, you don't need to pressurize them like you do to store hydrogen for example, 
and then when they need the energy they, they just open the taps the, the nitrogen uh, boils turns into gas uh, which turns a turbine to, to generate electricity they've they've got a collaboration with General Electric uh, and um, a trial plant in Manchester that's being funded by DEC and it, it looks like a, a really interesting but simple technology that, that reminds everyone that, that energy storage is not just about batteries. What's the best piece of news to emerge in sustainable business circles in the last 12 months? I think the best piece of news to emerge in sustainable business in the last 12 months has been the, the Paris Climate Conference. It was uh, an unexpected success in terms of setting clear targets that, that exceeded expectations. Uh, it gives governments a really clear direction in, in which to travel that they in fact have come up with through the, uh, the INDC targets uh, and that uh, in turn gives companies that, that clear sense of direction that enables them to uh, to, to plan for, for their sustainable futures. I think that's going to be the, the single one piece of uh, activity in, in, in the sustainability world that will have the most impact on businesses uh, as we look to the next sort of five to ten years. Um, I think it's the launch of the UN Sustainable, sustainable Development Goals. Um, momentum has been kind of slow to build but um, I think the goals are helping companies to think differently about how they can have broader, more positive impacts in the world. Um, and in the past few months, I've been seeing more and more companies forming new strategies and making commitments around meeting one or more of the goals, which will uh, be beneficial in a lot of ways. I write about news all the time, so th this is a you know, in terms of something that I, I guess is you know, it's got real, uh, I guess, wider significance um, in the last 12 months. You'd have to look at, I suppose, the Paris Agreement. It, it's an obvious one, but, um, you know, in terms of potential impact and scale, um, it, it all happened in Paris. And you saw companies lining up like never before for climate action. And I think that clear support from the business community was one of the reasons the Paris talks succeeded. Um, but I'd also like to point to you know, a more general trend, which I think is really important, which is companies waking up to the challenges of their supply chains. Um, supply chains are, are becoming a major source of risk, but also an opportunity for positive change. And it's fascinating to see how companies are navigating that balancing act. So, you know, for a company, how you manage your supply chain says a lot about the kind of company you are and the values you hold. So. I think there's a definite realisation among more and more companies that ethical considerations need to form part of every buying and business decision and, and that's such a positive trend. Mike Scott, Maxine Perella and Jen Elks, they're doing some great work in the sustainable business journalism arena uh, and you can check out some of their latest pieces. I've put some links in today's show notes. Have a look at their work. But really interesting to hear different perspectives and you know from three very different writers uh, obviously covering similar ground but with their own interests and specific issues that really get them motivated thanks to jen maxine and mike for for helping us out this week very much appreciated and hope you found it useful right let's check in with vicky knowles to find out who's been doing what and why in the world of better business welcome back vix how are you 
I'm pretty good. How are you, Tom? I'm very well. You're, we're not on Skype as we normally are this week because you've moved. You've got no broadband, so we're trying the <laughs> the powers of mobile communication. Your mobile, it sounds like you're in a down the, the bottom of a well or something. Oh God! Uh, but we shall see how we get on. Um, yes, what's going on in the world of better business, Vix? Yeah, so we're back to the stainage a little bit with the, the broadband. But it, yes, so. Uh, I've got a great idea from congested city this week. So how about a bus that rides over your car? Sounds a bit terrifying, to be honest. But um, the electric straddling bus, which is wider than two lanes of traffic, would carry up to 1,400 passengers and drive over any car under seven foot tall. So with a top speed of 40 miles an hour, it's not that fast and stops frequently to pick up and offload passengers. Um, but I suppose that's no problem as it would be in anyone's way anyway. Um, but if you've heard of this idea already, that's because it's not technically new. So Beijing has proposed to accommodate the bus from Chief Engineer Song Yujiao, I think that's pronounced right, um, right, by the end of 2010, but it never quite happened. So now a full-scale model is being built in Tangzhou, China, and will be tested by August. So if you haven't seen it, by the way, and it sounds really peculiar, um, I'm sure Tom will put the link in the show notes because it's quite a sight. Um, but all being well, the struggling bus would replace 40 conventional buses. And thanks to being powered by electricity, the design would cut fuel consumption by 800 tonnes and carbon emissions by nearly two and a half tonnes every year, according to Chief Engineer. Wow, wow. And it, I will put the link in, I'll put the video in the show notes, actually, because you do need to see it to believe it. And it's, it's a weird looking thing, isn't it? It's a weird concept, but it's the sort of thing that probably is not going to be uh, suitable for retrofit in a number of cities. But I think it's, I mean, it's, it's odd, but it's quite useful, isn't it? Yeah, it is very odd. And uh, some of the uh, titles on different news sites are like, this bus will eat your car. So I mean, it must be quite peculiar if it passes over you. <laughs> um, yeah. But in terms of being on it, it sounds great. It is, and it's really got done the rounds. I saw it on Facebook in the week, and then someone else shared it, and then I saw it on Fast Company, and then you sent me a link to something else. So it's it's certainly a story that's doing the rounds, but it's worth having a look at anyway, if just if for nothing but uh, novelty's sake. Um, so uh, it, for me, I've got a story about Marks and Spencers, and this is a story picked up by by ED and a few other places during the week. Uh, obviously, a company we talked about briefly last week as well when when Plan A. Uh, was updated and, and the kind of report was, was released by Marks and Spencers. They've now kicked off an initiative called the MS Energy Society. Uh, and this is all about generating renewable electricity from solar panels installed on the retailer's stores. Um, but the interesting thing is they're asking customers to invest and help pay for the solar panels. So they're working with this company called, uh, well, a community energy organization called Energy for All. Uh, and they're asking customers to invest between 100 quid and £100,000 towards the solar panels, which will be installed on, I think, nine, uh, nine of their shops across the UK. Uh, the retailer then buys back the energy to power its stores, uh, which obviously cuts emissions. And it's, I mean, you know, if you fancy getting involved in this, it's fairly attractive. You're expected to receive a return on, on investment at a rate of 5% a year for the first three years. The first payment's being made next September. Um, I, I like this. I mean, it's better than sticking money in the bank with the interest rates quite low. So uh, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, you can put your, your £100 in, you get a five of that. <laughs> um, yeah, it is <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really got that much like me. But um, yeah, it's interesting how they're actually getting their customers to do it. It's just 
it seems like quite a few companies are kind of trying to really link with their customers in terms of like getting more renewable energy. And I mean, do you think it's it's just because you don't have the upfront amount to do it? They they sort of need to crowdsource it to a certain extent. I think so, but I think they could probably afford it anyway. It's part of their commitment to kind of source 50% of their electricity from, from green energy. Um, I think they could probably afford to do it, but I think it's quite an interesting way of of, uh, of reaching out to customers, get them involved in it. And uh, this whole idea of kind of community-led energy projects uh, makes sense for them. Of course, last March, they were installing the biggest single roof-mounted solar panel array anywhere in, in the country. So they, they, you know, they've done all this stuff before, but I think they're just trying to link the community and customers in, in the whole story as well, which I think is quite smart. Yeah, pretty interesting. And it is quite an attractive prospect for some investment anyway. It is. So what else you got? <clears throat> okay, so next is two. Um, Adidas and advocacy group Power into the Ocean have created a running shoe made from plastic. So the upper part of each pair is made from 16 plastic bottles and 13 grams of illegal deep-sea dill nut, which Parley collected in places like the Maldives and Jamaica. So 50 pairs of these shoes are up for grabs, but consumers can't actually buy them. They have to win them in an Instagram yeah. contest. Um, so people will be asked to create a video and show how they tried to avoid single-use plastic items and support Parley's ocean plastic program. So the two organisations partnered up last year, April 2015, and have worked on turning ocean plastic into technical yarn fibers that can be used for performance products. So this shoe is the first in a series of products, and Adidas is now able to produce that show. Adidas now able to produce using this poly ocean plastic, so it calls it. Um, and in the second half of this year, it will be integrated into one of Adidas's footwear lines. So there will be more to come on that, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking about ocean waste again, as we often do, Vix. Um, we, but I think do. <laughs> we do. And there's a, there's a couple of things to say on this. I mean, first of all, you know, it's a partnership, as you say, has been going on for a year. Um, and lots of companies get into partnerships with NGOs. And again, we've talked about this as well. And, and some often see that it's nothing more than a sort of PR exercise with, with Adidas, you know, helping to raise the profile of ocean waste and, and giving a bit of a profile to this, this organisation, Parley. Um, but yeah, this is different because they've actually created something tangible. It's a product, an actual product that's, that tells the story really, really well. And I, I think the other thing to say is that the you know the pictures I've seen of the trainers they're absolutely beautiful. I'm not a massive fan of trainers, but these are stunning, aren't they? They are. Yeah, I really like them. Yeah, I, I know companies sort of do the kind of sustainability and innovation thing. Like it's cool. It's it's, it's kind of engaging. Uh, that's it exactly. And I hope that the other thing I want to say was I hope that they start using the euros. Obviously, we're engulfed in the euros here in the UK and across Europe, and. Uh, Adidas are everywhere. They're on TV screens every night. They're on TV adverts, player endorsements, all that sort of stuff. And I wonder whether these trainers might well feed into that uh, right now. So um, I'm not, I've not seen it yet, but I'd love love to for that to happen because they are absolutely gorgeous. The, the, the trainers. Uh, I'd love yeah. a pair. So if anybody from Adidas is listening to the show, we'd like a couple of pairs, wouldn't we, Vix, just to to kind of review them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're just going to come back to us and say, "You need to write. You need to make a video." They have a pledge to avoid single-use plastic. I don't think we've got any special Oh well. Um, anyway, the the, okay. the final the final story of the week, which <clears throat> of course everyone is talking about, is uh, the UK's EU referendum 
obviously a big week for us this week, Thursday, everyone goes off to the polls to mm. determine whether we're going to stay or go uh, and leave the, the European Union. So lots written about this from a, an environmental and sustainability point of view. I'm going to point uh, to two great pieces in the show notes and I'll stick the links in, in there. Uh, one is by James Murray at, at Business Green, who's, who's a, such a great writer and he always seems to hit the right the right tone with this stuff. Um, so that's a great piece. Have a look at that. The other is Mike Scott, who's written a piece for Forbes and Mike, you'll have heard earlier in the show. Um, and both James and Mike are in the Remain camp. Both pieces make a really compelling case for the UK to remain in the European Union on the grounds that you know the efforts being made to foster a more sustainable business landscape would probably be better served if we stay in the EU. Um, but you know, Vix, it's a really interesting debate. Of course, you know the mainstream media has been very much divided on the issue, and the polls should, you know they suggest that it's very very close. Uh, and the book is that you know they're they're sort of edging their bets as they as they often do. But uh, I think you know among the environmentalists and the sustainability folk that I've spoken to over the last few months, I mean, so few of them are in favour of, of Brexit. Um, the only significant figure that I've seen speak on the subject who really sort of urging the UK to to really consider thinking about leaving the EU is Michael Liebreich who's the the founder of New Energy Finance, which is the um, if you don't know it's the the, the energy analyst company that was bought by Bloomberg a few years ago and I mean he's very much of the opinion that it's wrong to suggest that without the EU our environmental regulation climate change legislation uh, wouldn't be as strong uh, and he makes the argument that countries like the US have gone further and faster in phasing out coal uh, he says that companies like Germany which you know we all look look to Germany for for inspiration on the way it's it's kind of tackled renewable energy and it says you know he he says that in Germany the greenhouse gas emissions have hardly really moved in the last 15 20 years um, so it's 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 been a really interesting debate but i think you know the greens among us are very much in favor of the uk sticking with its membership and being part of this collective that can do so much rather than you know sitting aside as, as little britain and, and being on the outside of this, some of the big conversations that are going to go on around climate change and renewable energy policy and um you know big, big sort of energy infrastructure projects we want to be part of those conversations um so i'm, I'm hoping we're going to stay in but who knows yeah who knows you know um, i did have and um, james murray's he was they were saying about that there may be benefits for the union, but that you know they, the the cost would be outweighed, you know, from leaving. So uh, it's, it's almost like a risk management kind of decision. Like you know, you've got really got to weigh it up. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm just curious what stance um, at least those in the UK that are listening. I wonder what their stance is, whether they agree with you or if they take the opposite side. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. So, I mean, obviously, the the next next time we we come back to you next Monday, the the, the referendum uh, the referendum uh, result will be in. But yeah, it'd be interesting to know what everyone's thinking out there. So yeah, do get in touch this week and uh, yeah. and tweet me or me or Vicky on on Twitter. It'd be great to to hear your thoughts. Um, but yeah, we shall see. It's a scary week. <gasps> yes, it's a big one. Make sure you get it back is. to the polls. Okay. Well, listen. Thanks. Thanks for joining us again, Vix. And um, I, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully see you next week. I don't know if your broadband will be back by then. <laughs> one more week without it, I'll still sound like I'm down a well for one more week. But other than that, after that, I'm good. <laughs> okay. We'll see you next week. So that's it for another week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. 
And uh, yeah, don't forget to spread the word about the Better Business Show throughout the week. That'd be really, really appreciated. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, we're also available to listen to on Deezer or Stitcher or TuneIn. Uh, so loads of ways you can find us. Um, but yes, we'll be back again next Monday. So until then, goodbye. <laughs>